Good evening, everyone. Those of you who are visiting us tonight, my name is Jonathan. Great privilege of uh, leading this beautiful congregation. And uh, you would often hear me say that it's a privilege for me to share the message tonight. And especially just standing here tonight in this moment of worship through music, just reminded again of what a privilege it is to be able to speak about the Word of God, and to trust the Word of God, and allow the Word of God to minister to our hearts. So that's my heart for, for us as a church tonight, that God would minister through the power and the presence of his, through the power of his word and the presence of his spirit, uh, I loved what Abraham said. The question that he asked: What does God want to do in your life this week? Because God does want to do something. I would add something to that question: What does God want to do in and through your life this week? And may we live with that expectation. That this almighty God that we serve that's far beyond our understanding is intimately involved in the smallest details of your life. And He wants to use you. He wants to use your life. He wants to do something in your life and use your life for His kingdom's purpose. So maybe live with that expectation and may God stir something in your heart this evening for what He wants to do in and through your life. Um, I don't know when's the last time that you at an interaction with a real estate agent. I don't know if some of you have ever had an action, interaction with a real estate agent, but um, somewhere in life, you're going to deal with a real estate agent. Uh, this last week, me and my wife, we uh, had an interaction with a specific real estate agent, and it wasn't necessarily a bad interaction. It was just a moment where I was struck about the importance of a real estate agent. Now, even though you might not fully comprehend it, those of you who are renting, you maybe deal with your uh, real estate agent every month, but that person is really important. We had this interaction with them, and, and I walked away from that moment, and I thought, sure, they are the only contact that we have with the owner. There's no other contact that we have with the owner of the property. The person that you're renting from, the person that you're, the house where you're trying to buy, if you ever uh, would be that lucky to buy your own home, the real estate agent is the only person that represents the owner. And your interaction with that person is really important because they might woo you. You might have a great experience. You might go, man, this real estate agent is awesome feels like my best friend. They just know me. They know what I need. They know that it's just great. And they can literally sell the property to you. They could convince you that this is something that you should live in or rent. If, they, if you click with them, if there's something that you connect with, they would win your heart over. But the other side is also true. If they're rude, if you have a bad experience, they can be really off-putting. And you might miss out on a great place to stay simply because of the way the person, the real estate agent, interacted with you. A really important function. 
the real estate agent also tells you something about the owner because you might have this encounter with them and you might go, she, the owner must be a great person because they got a great person to sell their home. I'm sure they are best friends. Or you might go, who's this owner that they would choose this person to represent them? Your interaction with that person tells you something about the owner. Do you realize that as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, in a way, all of us are real estate agents of the kingdom of God? Whether you know it or not, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, all of us, in a way, is a real estate agent for the kingdom of God, meaning you represent the owner and the kingdom. You represent the owner and the kingdom. We're currently busy with a series called Counterculture. And throughout this series, we're looking at, at how we as followers of Jesus have, are called to live differently than this world. We are called to live lives that's counter to the culture of this world. If we follow Jesus, we cannot just live nominal lives. Our lives should look different. It should stand out. And tonight specifically, we're going to continue to speak about what does it mean to live counterculture, but we're going to focus on a very specific function of counterculture. We're going to speak about the purpose of representing God. How we have a purpose behind our lives of representing God and His kingdom. Now, if you have your Bible with you, I would love you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. don't have a Bible with you, you're welcome to follow me on the screen. I'm going to read from the ESV translation. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to read together from verse 14. I love that sound of the Bible pages just going. A bit old school in that way. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm just struck at how the Apostle Paul wrote these words to a very specific group of people in a very specific time. 
And yet, through the power of your word, it's still relevant to our lives today. And Lord, we want to thank you for that. We want to thank you that you are outside of time, that there's no boundaries to what you can do. And Lord, therefore, as we study your word tonight, Lord, I pray that by your spirit that you would really come and make it alive and active, that you would come and um, address our hearts, address our minds in such a way that you will bring change to our lives by your word and through your spirit. May bring change that will honor you, and may you form us into the men and women that you made us to be. Lord, our desire is to honor you through our lives, and therefore, Lord, we submit ourselves unto your word and the working of your spirit. And we pray, Lord, may your perfect will be done in this moment, in our lives. May you lead us in your truth. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Really powerful couple of verses that we've read there. There's so many things that's happening there. Um, this was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth. Now, Corinth was a really important city in the Roman Empire. It was a really significant city in the, this empire and it had a vast majority of people living there. Not only was it an important city, it was also a very immoral city. Basically, the Corinthians did whatever they wanted to do. In fact, they were was, they was living lives that were so immoral that they had nicknames for the people living in Corinth. Just absolutely immoral city to live in. Important city, but immoral. Part of the city, what made it unique, it was a very diverse city. There were a diverse group of ethnicities and cultures and languages and religions in the city. And you even saw this diversity in, in the economy as well. A very important, but immoral and diverse city. And even the Apostle Paul's relationship to this church is very diverse. He wrote in all four letters to this church, but two letters have been lost through the ages. So we only have two letters to this church, which we see as First and Second Corinthians in the Bible. Now, First Corinthians is a very harsh letter. If you've read through the letter of First Corinthians, you would see that Paul addresses this church and he rebukes this church. Because this church, this immorality of the city infiltrated the church and this church started to live like the city. Absolutely immoral. And Paul rebukes them. He says, in a way, he's saying, your lives need to be counterculture. And this church values Paul and they value him as a leader. And we can assume from biblical evidence that they listened to Paul. When Paul rebuked them as a father, he called them back to a certain way of living. They listened to Paul, and they changed the way, and they corrected themselves. But in the meantime, even though they really trusted and honored Paul as a leader, other leaders came into the city, came into this church, and this leader started to speak up against Paul and his companions, Paul and his co-workers, and they started to turn this church against Paul. And there was a bit of this, um, they were questioning Paul's ability to lead as a leader, as an apostle. And therefore, Paul writes this letter, 2 Corinthians. It's one of the purposes why Paul is writing to this church. And in a way, he's not just uh, like in 1 Corinthians coming in as a father. He's coming now as an ambassador. 
And he's not rebuking, he's appealing. He's asking this church, would you trust me? Would you embrace me as a leader? And he says it in this way, we are ambassadors of Christ. He and his co-workers are presented to this church as ambassadors of Jesus. And what he's asking this church is, would you accept us as someone sent by God? Would you trust us as someone sent by God? What does an ambassador do? If you think about this, Paul says to this church, we are ambassadors. What does an ambassador do? Now, if we really simplify it, an ambassador has a form of authority because an ambassador represents higher authority. Does it make sense? An ambassador represents a higher authority. He represents a leader who's got greater authority. Therefore, an ambassador not only represents an authority, but he also has authority. The second thing about an ambassador, ambassador represents a different nation, different culture. That's why you're called an ambassador. You come from a different nation into a, another nation, and you represent that culture and that nation to this country. You represent a higher authority and a different country. And ultimately, an ambassador needs to uplift the values and principles of the country that he's representing or she's representing. If we really simplify it, an ambassador has authority because he represents authority. He represents a different culture, different nation, and he upholds the values and principles of that authority and that nation. And what does Paul say? What, do we, what does he do as an ambassador? We look carefully at the scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Jesus, be reconciled to God. What Paul is saying to this church is, we are representing a higher authority. We are representing God. We are representing God as if Jesus is speaking through us. As ambassadors of Christ, we represent Him, His kingdom, His character, His ways. And God uses us to act and speak on His behalf in this world to see His kingdom being established. We'll say that again. As ambassadors of Christ, we represent Him. His kingdom, in His character, and His ways. And God uses us to act and speak on His behalf to establish His kingdom in this world. Now, that means that as an ambassador of Jesus, everyone has an authority of Jesus. As an ambassador, you're representing the authority of Jesus. And every situation that you're walking in, you're walking in the authority of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Every relationship, every circumstance, every position, you walk in with the authority of Jesus behind you. What a comforting thought. 
But often we would misuse this authority and we try to abuse it to get everything what we want. If we understand that Paul says it's to represent God, His authority, and His kingdom, then we have authority for a purpose. Sitting here tonight, you have authority over your life. But it's for a purpose. It's to establish the kingdom of God. Now we might ask, this is Paul speaking. He, he's the greater possible. He, he wrote more than half the New Testament. Paul is speaking about himself and his co-workers, that they are ambassadors. Does that naturally mean that all of us are ambassadors of Christ? If Paul is an ambassador of Christ, does it mean that me and you are ambassadors of Christ? Or is ambassadors of Christ like a, a position that is elected for the professional Christians? No, the pastors, the guys that get paid. The professional worship leaders, the elders. Maybe they are the ambassadors. Well, we have to look at what the Scripture tells. Is everyone an ambassador of Christ? Quickly answer that question of the person sitting next to you. Do you believe everyone is an ambassador of Christ? So we're going to be bold now. We're going to test um, who says not everyone is an ambassador of Christ. Not everyone. Okay. Who says everyone is an ambassador of Christ? Uh, it's technical. It's an important question. Because when we leave this venue, you need to know, are you an ambassador or not? Is God expecting you to represent Him in this world or not? Is God giving you authority to establish His kingdom in this world or not? So is everyone an ambassador of Christ? Let's look at what the Scripture tells us. Verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. Therefore, meaning something has already happened. There's something that has happened that determines whether you're an ambassador of Christ. Paul says, because of this and this and this, therefore we are ambassadors. So what needs to happen for us to be ambassadors of Christ? Well, let's go up with the scripture. Let's see what Paul said. Verse 17. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, 
So there's three things that qualifies you as an ambassador of Christ. So not everyone is an ambassador. There's three things that qualifies you. Paul says, in Christ. Anyone who is in Christ. What does that mean? In Christ means there's a specific moment in your life that you made a decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus as a Lord and Savior. And in that moment, we believe that God restored us back in relationship with Jesus. In that moment, we believe there's something that changed inside of us. There's a new spirit that God gave us. In that moment, we see that the Bible says we have been united with Christ in His death and in His resurrection. Meaning we have died to sin with Jesus, but we have been raised by the same power that Jesus has been raised. And we have a new life. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Anyone who is in Christ, anyone who made Jesus their Lord and Savior, who is in relationship with Jesus, who believes that God has done something new in their life, that's the first prerequisite to be an ambassador. Second thing we see is a new creation. If you can sit here tonight and you can say that since I followed Jesus, something has changed inside of me. Something has changed in the way that I think about things. That something has changed the way I feel about things. There's something new inside of me. Suddenly sin bothers me. Suddenly there's something that convicts me of my sin. Suddenly there's a change inside of me. I'm a new person. I experience something new in me. There's a joy. There's something about a peace of God that is new inside of me. I have a new purpose, a new value. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The second prerequisite to be an ambassador. And then anyone who's been reconciled to God. What does reconcile mean? There's no animosity between you and God. There's nothing that separates you between God. You've been forgiven for your sins. And God is still forgiving you for your sins every day. You are forgiven. If that's true for your life, if you are in Jesus and you are a new creation and you are forgiven of your sins, then you are an ambassador of Jesus. And because you're an ambassador of Jesus, you've been given a message of reconciliation and a ministry of reconciliation. A message of reconciliation is your testimony. Nobody can take away your testimony. People might argue about what your understanding is about God and the will of God and those kind of things, but nobody can, can change your testimony. The message of reconciliation, I was lost and now I'm found. I felt alone. I felt insignificant. I'm loved. I felt my love, my life meant nothing. Now there's purpose behind what I do and the way I live. Here's a message of reconciliation it's your testimony. And it's not just a testimony of how you were saved. It's a testimony of what God is doing and saving in your life now. 
It's a message of reconciliation that God is still working in you. If you trust God, if you know God is doing something in your life, you have a message to share. It's a message of reconciliation. Uh, The lady that shared the testimony tonight, I don't know your name. But she came up. And nothing that any one of us can do can take away from what she experienced about God. So thank you for sharing that. I loved how you shared, seek the healer, not the healing. It's a message of reconciliation. Imagine if that's our message to the world, seek the healer, not the healing. Seek the Father, not just what you can get from the Father. It's a message, it's a testament of reconciliation. But not only did we receive a message of reconciliation, we received a ministry of reconciliation. Meaning there's a purpose behind your life. God wants to use you. That question that Abraham asked tonight is more significant than you might realize. God wants to do something in and through your life this week, tonight. He wants to establish His kingdom through you. He wants to see others people, other people being reconciled back into relationship because of you. God wants to use you. There's a purpose behind your salvation. There's a purpose behind your life. You've been given a ministry. You represent the owner and the kingdom. You represent God. I don't know about you. But this is an incredibly humbling thought for me. To think that God would choose someone like myself and say, Jonathan, I trust you to represent me in this world. I'm willing to bet my kingdom on you. I'm willing to use you. I don't know about you, but I find that incredibly humbling that the almighty creator of heaven and earth, the eternal God for whom nothing is impossible, chooses to use human vessels like me and you. the same moment, I find it incredibly scary. Because I know the deepest, darkest parts of my life. And I know I fall infinitely short to accurately represent God. There's a part of me that feels, wow, God, thank you. And there's a part of me that says, please don't, God, because I'll fail you. And yet God still chooses us. Notice, if you look at these prerequisites to be an ambassador of God, that nothing that you have done and nothing that you're currently doing 
qualifies you to be an ambassador for Jesus. Nothing you have done qualifies you to be an ambassador, and nothing you're doing now qualifies you or disqualifies you to be an ambassador. It's all God. He's the one that saved us. He's the one that gives us new life. He's the one that forgives sins. He's the one that establishes reconciliation. Everything, all the prerequisites about being an ambassador of God has got nothing to do with me and you. It's God. At most, at most, you made a decision to trust and follow Him. But God comes and He restores us in relationship, forgives our sin, and He starts something new in our lives. And He says, I choose you. So even though you might be facing horrible circumstances, even though you might be battling with some form of sin and mental struggles and whatever you're facing in your life now, God says, I'm still busy with you. You're still in relationship. I still love you. I'm still creating you to be something new. I'm still forgiving you, and therefore you're still my ambassador. It's not you. It's me. It's not your great deeds. It's not everything you're doing right. It's me working through So regardless of how you feel tonight, if you are in Jesus, God is giving you new life, and you are, um, your sins have been forgiven, you are ambassador for Jesus, and you are representing God, and God is making an appeal through your life, because He wants you to act and speak as if it's Him doing it. And He wants to establish His kingdom through your life. So if we've, we've asked the question, what does an ambassador do? They represent with authority and authority. They represent someone else. So we represent God, and God, we're acting on God's behalf. Then we've asked the question, well, is everyone an ambassador? And we said, well, everyone that's saved, everyone that's in relationship with God, who's got a new creation, sins are forgiven as an ambassador, then if that's you, if you recognize you're representing God and you qualify, you're qualified to ambassador, then the natural question would be, how? How do you live as an ambassador for Jesus? And this is the important question. Because we might hear tonight that we have to go into, now we have to live this perfect lives and we have to almost become a new form of Jesus. But I don't think that's what God is expecting from us. Yes, our lives should look different. Yes, we should strive to live holy lives. But how do we do it? Again, how does Paul describe this? Verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. If you really want to ask the, answer the question, how do we live as ambassadors of Christ? An ambassador of Christ lives controlled by the love of Christ. Paul says the love of Christ controls us. 
It's someone that is controlled by the love of Christ. What does it mean? Now, this word here used for control is sunetu. This, words, this word means to hold together, to hold fast, and to be seized. Now, I don't know when was the last time when you had a fever. But a fever seizes your body. It takes absolute control. That's the same word that is used here. The word that is described for our fever takes control of your body. That's the word that's described with how the love of Christ takes control over us. It seizes us. It controls us. It holds us together. It holds us fast. What this means is that the love of Christ has a power over us. Not in a manipulative way. God doesn't do something. Now you've experienced my love and you have no more free will. It is just we choose to submit ourselves under the power of God's love. God's love becomes the boundary within we live. It becomes the, the thing that controls our lives. Therefore, it means that we cannot just do whatever we want to do. Because the love of Christ controls us. It's the boundary where we live within. It has taken control of our hearts and our minds, and we submit to it. And therefore, we cannot do whatever we want to do. So how does it practically look? Now, for a moment, I want us to think of the love of Christ like wearing glasses. Now, realize... It was a better example than the morning service because there's more people over 40. But glasses, if you, if you put on glasses, it's supposed to enhance your sight. Glasses don't blind you to certain things. It doesn't limit your view. Glasses are supposed to help you see clearer. Glasses are supposed to help you see further and more detail. It enhances your sight. It gives you greater understanding as to what you're looking to. It makes the picture clearer. And what it means to be um, controlled by the love of Christ is the love of Christ becomes the lenses through which we view and approach life. The love of Christ becomes the thing through which we view ourselves. And I look at the love of Christ at my own life and I go, I am loved. There's value. There's significance because of what Jesus has done. There's forgiveness for what Jesus has done. Not only do I look at my own life through the lenses of Jesus' love, I look at this world through the lenses of His love. And I go that this world is important. God was willing to give His Son for this world. I look at the circumstances and situations through the love of Christ. So if I find myself in a difficult spot, I look through the lenses of the love of Christ and I say, Jesus died so that I don't have to go through this alone. Jesus died so that I can have authority in this situation. Jesus died 
giving me hope in the circumstances. I can persevere because Jesus and His love has already demonstrated it. I look through the lenses of love at our country. And when there's certain political parties that wants to disrupt and destroy, I don't rally myself up and become angry and start complaining and just speak death over this nation. I go, the love of Christ has given me authority to pray into this and to speak up against corruption, to speak up against injustice. And I don't let my heart be pulled away into a negative depressing place. I lift myself, I strengthen myself in the love of Christ because of what He's done. And I live differently. And my language sounds differently because of Jesus. The way we view relationships changes. We look at relationships through the lenses of love. Jesus' love. So therefore, in any relationship, I cannot do whatever I want to do. Because that relationship needs to reflect the love of Jesus. And even Jesus didn't do whatever he wanted to do. He absolutely submitted to the Father. To the will of the Father. So in my relationships, there's certain boundaries that I limit myself by. Therefore, I don't embark on on sexual relationships because there's a boundary that governs my life. In my relationship with my friends, that friend that's really frustrating, I view through the love of Jesus and I say, I'll forgive you again. Forgive you again. I'll give you another chance. You view your parents through the love of Jesus. And you might suddenly think, well, it's so difficult for me to respect them. Through the love of Jesus, Jesus died for them as well. It doesn't disqualify what they're doing or not doing. It just says, I recognize that Jesus values you as well. And because Jesus values you, I'll value you. It's the lenses through which I look at my neighbors, co-workers. It's the lenses through which I look at my resources, like time and money. Where I look at my time and I go, if Jesus was willing to give his life, how can I waste my time to build a name for myself? How can I waste this life? If Jesus has given me new life, new opportunity, if Jesus has given me a purpose, a ministry of reconciliation, how can I waste my life completely on Netflix, completely on social media? If Jesus died to say, I love you and there's significance in your life, why am I allowing social media to define me? Why am I searching for my identity and so many other things? Because God has already spoken through the lenses of love. And I use my time to glorify Him. Jesus was willing to give everything. Then maybe I can give Him more than five minutes. 
Look at my finances and I'm going for so God the Father paid the ultimate price. Maybe my life shouldn't be about how rich I can become. Maybe my security should be in what God has already done and not how many how much money I have in my bank account. We view others through the lenses of Jesus' love. And therefore we view people with a different skin color than ours through the lenses of Jesus' love. And we might go, I don't understand culture. I might not understand history. I don't, might not understand everything about that person and their ethnicity. But Jesus died for all. And therefore, I'll value them the way that Jesus valued them. Therefore, I will forgive. Therefore, I will embrace relationship. Therefore, I will be a minister of reconciliation because Jesus died for all. We love the message that Jesus died for you and there's new life and you're forgiven for sins and there's purpose and all of that. But do you realize that Jesus did it for everyone? Who are we to judge? And if we start to view life through the lenses of Jesus' love, then we cannot live for ourselves. It's a natural outflow. We cannot live for ourselves. Because the love of Christ drives us, it controls us. And we start to see His kingdom come in and through our lives. And then, the natural outflow is we do not view others according to the flesh. We start to see that what Jesus sees. We start to see and view people the way that Jesus valued them. So if you want to live as an ambassador of God, it starts with a really simple prayer, but a powerful prayer. It starts with a prayer that says, God, help me to see through your love. God, help me to see myself through your love. God, help me to see my situation, my circumstances through your love. God, help me to see this world through your love. God, help me to see my relationship through your love. God, help me to see my family, my friends, my neighbors, my co-workers through your love. God, help me to see others that do not look like me, others who do not act like me through your love. God, help me to see my finances, my time, and calling through your love. A simple but powerful prayer. Imagine what can happen if every one of us commit to pray this prayer. Imagine what God can do through and in your life if you start to pray, God, help me to see through your love. Imagine what God will do. Because this is a prayer that will honor Him and establish His kingdom. He will answer it. God, help me to see through your love.
you want to be an ambassador of God, pray this prayer. See what God does. Can this be a challenge for each one of us? And as we leave this venue, that we don't just celebrate the authority of our lives, to celebrate purpose of our lives, to celebrate what God has done for us, but that we actually take up the mantle of being ambassadors and not live perfect lives, but ask God, help me to see through your love. It's important, and I want to conclude with this, seeing through the love of Christ doesn't mean we overlook sin. In modern culture, love has been associated with overlooking stuff. It's very unloving to disagree. It's very unloving not to accept certain things, not to accept certain lifestyles. You would be judged as unloving. God did not overlook sin. In fact, God's love made that he dealt with sin. Do not be confused about the love of God. God, the love of God does not overlook sin. The love of God makes that He deals with sin. And when we start to view others through the love of God, it doesn't mean that we have to accept everything that everyone's doing and we have to accept everyone the way that they're living. It is not loving. If my child is doing something wrong and I as a dad go, I don't want to judge you, I'm just going to love you, and I leave him, it will destroy his life. The most unloving thing you can do is to embrace and accept sin. The love of Jesus says, I see the value that God places in your life, but I recognize the sin. And I judge the sin, not the person. For you have absolute grace and love, but I'm not going to tolerate sin. And I'm going to continue to speak up. I'm going to continue to say it's wrong. I'm going to continue to try and help you. I'm going to continue to help just see God reconcile it. Because otherwise, the love of Christ becomes an excuse for us to do whatever we want to do. Oh, God, just your love has already forgiven me. Therefore, you would understand if I do this in this relationship. Oh, God, you've already forgiven me. Therefore, you would understand if I don't glorify you with your time. That is not viewing, not being controlled by the love of Christ. The love of Christ says there's a boundary wherein I live because of what He's done. God didn't overlook sin. He dealt with sin. We shouldn't overlook sin. We should deal with it through the love of Jesus. So if you are in Christ, you have a new life and you've been forgiven, then you are an ambassador of God. Congratulations leaving this venue tonight. There's a new label on your life. You are ambassador of Jesus. And as ambassadors of Christ, we represent Him, His kingdom, His character, His ways. And God uses us to act and speak on His behalf in this world to establish His kingdom. You have a message of reconciliation. You have a ministry of reconciliation. And the way we do this is by praying a simple prayer. God, help me to see through your love. Let's pray.
As we end tonight, I want you to pray a prayer. I want to ask you to pray a prayer. Would you ask God, God, what area of my life do you want me to see through your love? What area is God specifically laying on your heart now? And just ask God, God, what relationship, circumstances, what area of my life do you want me to view through your love? And if you feel something in this moment, you feel God is laying something on your heart, would you pray that prayer? God, would you help me to see myself through your love? God, would you please help me to see the circumstances through your love, this relationship through your love, this resources through your love? Would you just pray that prayer? Would you allow God to show you how does it look? also want to pray into a specific group of people tonight. I want to ask my friend, John Peters, he's one of our elders, to come and join me in the front. Maybe you're listening to this message tonight and, and you feel there's something that disqualifies you to be an ambassador. Even in this moment, thinking about the area that God wants you to view through His love, you're thinking, nah, maybe it's because of sin, maybe it's because of some stuff you're struggling with mentally, maybe it's things that's happened in your past. Maybe you're just feeling, I am disqualified. God cannot use me. We want to pray into that. We're going to ask John to minister into that. But if that's you, would you stand? The rest of us can keep our eyes closed. But if you say tonight, just feel something inside of me that says, I am not worthy to be an ambassador of Jesus. We want to break that lie over your life. Would you stand? Yes, thank you, Father. What's so amazing about your truth, Father, is that it, it comes and it exposes lies, Father. It exposes lies that we believe as the truth. Strongholds in our lives that keeps us hostage, that keeps us from stepping out in faith and living in the victory that you want for us. And it's when the lies exposed we counter that lie. We replace it with the truth. Romans 8 verse 1 as, a, as an example, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So Father, I want to pray this, Father. I, will, I, I want to pray and ask that this verse becomes so part of their lives, Father. We are not insignificant. We are loved, we are valued, and we have purpose. Like Ephesians, it says that, for not by works, we have not been saved by works, but by grace, created in Christ Jesus, His workmanship, His work of art. 
created for good works so that we should walk in, to be that ambassador that we should be, Father. So I pray this. Lord, I pray this, that this will become such, such a part of their lives, Father. And we know that Satan doesn't like this. Satan doesn't love us to be the ambassadors for Christ. So every lie that, that Jesus come and exposes and we replace it with the truth, there are going to be times where we need to, to say and speak that and declare it over our lives. There are times when you're going to have to declare that by the authority given in Jesus to intercede for people that you know that is living a lie. So, Lord, we also want to intercede for those people tonight, Father, by the authority of, of Jesus, by the authority that we have in Jesus. We want to pray for those persons, Father, that has such strongholds in their life because they believe that they are insignificant. We want to intercede for them, Father. Holy Spirit, remind us to go have that coffee with that person, Father, to keep praying for that person, to keep believing for that person, Father. And we want to thank you for your truth. We want to thank you for your love. We want to thank you for living the lives, for living the life that we should have lived and paying the penalty that we should have paid, Father, that you also rose and therefore we can live in victory, Father. Great joy great fruit help us to seek that superior joy father as we seek you as we keep our eyes on you may the things of this world grow strangely dim we love you lord lord we i, I want to thank um thank you for the conviction that you bring in our hearts lord we praise you we love you father we thank you for your truth and may we keep on living in it this week and for all the days of our lives. Amen. Amen. Let's end with one final prayer. Would you open your hands? Would you pray with me? Father, would you help me to see this world through your love? Lord, this is our prayer. We ask that you would come and do something that we cannot do by ourselves, that you would come and change our view, that you would come and change our way of living, that you would do something new inside of us because we're asking you, Lord. May your love be the thing that controls us and may you help us to live a life that's counter to this culture, a life that testifies that you've already paid the ultimate price. You've already demonstrated your love and you've done it for everyone, Lord. And therefore, I pray now that by your Spirit, as we pray this prayer, May you help us see this world through your love, Lord, that you would, by your Spirit, come and awaken in every person, Lord, a message of reconciliation, a message, a testimony of what you're doing, Lord. But I pray that you would awaken our eyes and our minds to see the purpose that you've placed in our lives, a, a ministry of reconciliation, Lord. And we ask, may you use us as a church to establish your kingdom. And may others come to know you because of this prayer. Would you help us to see through your love? We ask this in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. And all of us say, Amen.